If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there should be one right in front of you in the, in the pew there. There should be a black Bible there. I encourage you to follow along. If you say, well, you're going to be turning to a lot of scriptures. Well, I'm going to eventually settle down in Psalms 119 if you, if you want to get over in there. But we're going to be starting in Genesis 24, verse 63. So this story here that we're, what we're reading about here in Genesis 24 is Eleazar has went to get a, a bride for Isaac. And this bride is Rebekah. And Rebekah's coming back with uh, Eleazar, and Rebekah's being brought back by the servant, by Eleazar. She's on camels, and it ver- start, see like up in verse 61, and Rebekah arose, and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, that's Eleazar, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And they're coming back to Isaac. But look at what I want, you to, what I want to point out to you is verses 62 and 63. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahari, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Now, that lighted off the camel, that don't mean that she lit up a camel cigarette. <laughs> it means she jumped off the camel. She lighted off of it. She jumped off of it. For she had said unto her servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. You know what's so wonderful about that story right there? And this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon this morning, is that that's a great type of us and Jesus Christ. We've accepted Jesus Christ like Rebekah accepted Isaac as her husband. So the servant, which in this story is a type of the Holy Spirit, the servant, the Holy Spirit's taken us to Isaac. He took Rebekah to Isaac. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit's taken us to Jesus Christ. Just like uh, Rebekah, we've never seen our master Jesus Christ. That's the love that we have for Jesus Christ, a man we've never seen. It's, it's amazing to think about that. But I want to point you back up at verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. He went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. This morning I want to preach on the power of meditation. The power of meditation. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that uh, your Holy Spirit will be the one that leads us, guides us, directs us, Lord God, and that if there's anybody, Lord, underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they have, Lord God, and they, uh, they've took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they're living out in the, in the world, Lord God. I ask that you'll speak to the heart, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, and Lord God, and that when we give the invitation that they can get right, Lord God, and if they don't know Jesus Christ, they can come down here and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father. But above all else, Lord God, we want Jesus Christ to be glorified and lifted up in every way. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to preach this morning, verse 63. And he went out, Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. There's a great power in meditation. And you know, there's a time in this world, in this country, I remember a time when you'd drive in the city in the eventime, in the afternoon, and everywhere you looked, there'd be people sitting out on the front porch. And they'd be sitting out on the front porch, and they'd be meditating, and they'd be sitting around and talking, and people just would go out. They weren't inside the house watching TV. And they wouldn't be out on the front porch with the music blaring as, as loud as they could get, like it was some kind of disco. They would be out on the front porch, it would be quiet, and they'd be sitting on a chair, and it would be even time, and they'd be meditating. They'd just be sitting out there thinking. They'd be sitting out there thinking. Now look at Psalms 19. I had you, had you put your finger on Psalms 19. 
When I was reading through these scriptures years ago, it caught my attention. It said Isaac went out into the evening tide and he's meditating. That caught my attention because that's the first mention of meditation in your Bible is right there with Isaac. And I thought that's a wonderful thing just in the afternoon to go out and just to meditate on things, just to meditate in the afternoon, get away from the world and just to meditate on things. And that's where Isaac was when he first met his wife. It was when he was out meditating when when some good news came. But look at Psalms 19 verse 14. Now the psalmist says here, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in the sight, O Lord, in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So the psalmist tells us there that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. So we need to look at how to meditate and what we should be meditating on. We should be meditating on the right things in the right way. Because we can be meditating on the wrong things in the wrong way. And listen, the word, he said, let the words of my mouth. We need to be saying the right things in the right way. And we need to be meditating on the right things in the right way. And there's a wrong way to do it. Now, when I mention meditation, let me define the word meditation before we go any further. Meditation simply means just to sit there and think on something. To sit there and just think on something. The Webster's Dictionary defines it as to dwell on anything in thought. We would say nowadays, let's just think about it. You just think about it. Just meditate on it. You know, uh, you ever seen that statue? I know a lot of y'all have with a man. and He's sitting there and he's got his, he got his leg like this. And he, he's got his chin. He's got his fist up under his chin. And he's sitting there and he's got his head down and he's meditating. They call that, they call that statue, they call it the thinker. And philosophy loves to use that statue as he's sitting there like this. And he's sitting down on like a stump and he's thinking. You know what's amazing about that statue, the thinker? is that that statue was designed over in France to go on this big sculpture of the gates of hell. And that statue was designed, and it wasn't a very big statue, but this statue of the gates of hell was huge, and they had up here a little figure, and it was that thinker, and he was thinking at the gates of hell. Now that right there is something (laughs) something to meditate on for the rest of this sermon. Why not guys thinking? As he's sitting at the gates of hell. So we need to think. And it's simply just to think. That's all meditation is. But see the world doesn't like to think anymore. The world doesn't like to meditate on it. See we live in a society that. There's, oh, everywhere you go. There's always some TV playing. Or some kind of music playing. Have you noticed that? You go out to go shopping. Or go out to eat. You just want to go out to eat somewhere. And they always have to have music blaring out of some speakers. You can't even hardly talk to each other sometimes. Or you go to eat in a restaurant and you go, uh, you know, I'm going to take my dear wife out to a restaurant. Let's go out somewhere nice. You go to a restaurant and you sit down and you want to you have a real nice meal and there's a TV right there. The big 60-inch TV blaring, you know. And I don't want to see TV. I, I can sit at home and see TV. Yeah, turn that off. That's, how, that's really how I feel about it. And there's nobody that hates that music on, that when you go shopping, that hates that music any more than my wife. My dear, so you know why she hates that so much? Because I always get caught up and listen to that junk. And we'll be in there and she'll be shopping for something or she'll be shopping. And, and the other day, it was about, well, I guess about four or five weeks ago, we were in Abilene and she was shopping for something over the radio. They had some music going over the radio. And all day long, I kept repeating what I heard over the radio. It was some stupid song. But it gets in my head and I can't get it out of my head. It was a, this old heart of mine, been broke a thousand times. I'm some stupid song like that. Did I not drive you crazy with that? She's like, please shut up. We, it didn't matter where we're at. This old heart of mine, been broke a thousand. And then I'd start changing. This old heart of mine, been broke a million times, been broke one time, been broke, you know, I just was stupid. He said, like, shut up, Keegan, shut up. 
But that's what this world wants you to do. It wants to bombard you with stuff. It doesn't ever give you time to think, to meditate. So here's my advice to you before we get into the power of meditation. If you want to meditate, you're going to have to turn your TV off, number one. You're going to have to turn the radio off, number two. And this is the one you're not going to like. You're going to have to take that really smartphone. You're going to go hide it under a cushion in your couch and turn it off. You're not going to be able to meditate when the phone's going, when Facebook's giving you some alert that somebody's eating a meal some restaurant or something. You're, not going, you're going to have to turn that junk off. You can't meditate when you've got distractions. But that's what the world set you up. And the devil, I believe, has set us up to be distracted by the TV, by music. And uh, when we get into the cars, a lot of us, we run from the building that's playing music. We get in our car and we have a radio on. We drive all the way where we're going with the radio on. We get out of the car. We go to our house. The TV's on in the house. Or the radio's on. We never leave anything off to where we can think, where we can meditate. That's a sin. We need to be meditating. We need to be thinking. If there's one thing that's not going on in the world today, it's simply this. Nobody's thinking anymore. Nobody's thinking. So let's think and talk about the power of meditation. The power of meditation. Look at Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, please. I'm going to give you some advice on meditation and how to meditate and what to meditate on. Let me go a step further about meditation. Meditation that I'm talking about is simply thinking. We're not talking about meditating like the Buddhists would teach you. The Buddhists would teach you, Buddhism would teach you that you meditate and you, you, you clear your mind and you, you get your mind into a state of, of, of rest and then you try to disconnect from your body and you try to go into some kind of out-of-body experience and some kind of zen. And we're not talking about that kind of nonsense. We're simply talking about meditating and thinking about something, dwelling on something. Here's the first thing you should be meditating on as a Christian. You should be meditating on the words of God. All right? Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This, this is Joshua. He's about to lead, the, lead them into the promised land. God gives him instructions. And in verse 8, this is what God tells Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. So what does God tell Joshua? I want you to meditate on this book, on this Bible, and I want you to meditate on it day and night. I want you to think about it day and night. I want you to meditate on it. You know what the Bible, you know what God just promised Joshua? You know what the Bible promises you if you'll meditate on the word of God day and night? You'll be prosperous and you'll be successful. They're the same thing. See that? Look at that, thou mayest observe into verse 8, do according to all that is written therein, for then what? Then shalt thou, be make, thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If you'll learn to meditate on the words of God, meditate on the words of God, think about what God has said, think about things, think about how God has written things out and why God does it. If you'll meditate on these things and think about it, Bible, Bible says and God says to Joshua, you'll be successful and you'll be prosperous. That's what everybody wants, amen? Everybody wants to be prosperous. Everybody wants to be successful. But who wants to memorize and to meditate on the words of God? Not very many people. But if you'll learn to do that, you'll be very prosperous. Look at Psalms chapter 1. Go back to Psalm, Psalms chapter 1. And I'll show you another one of these. So you're seeing how God's given these instructions about meditating, how he wants you to meditate on it day and night. 
Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Now, we're going to hang around Psalms probably the rest of the time this morning, but Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There it is again. Talking about meditating on the word of God day and night. What will happen? Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You'll be a fruitful Christian, and your life will be very prosperous if you'll learn to meditate on the words of God. You say, well, how do you meditate on the words of God? Well, before you can meditate, there's a process. You've got to read it. Amen. Okay, you've got to read it. You've got to know them before you can meditate on them. Amen. So before you can know them, you've got to have it read. Either read it or have it read to you. Get it read to you or read it. And number two, you've got to memorize it before you can meditate on it. Because we're not always going to have, you're not always going to have a Bible open with you when you're at work or wherever you're at during the day, school or wherever you're at. You're not always going to have a Bible with you. So what you need to do is you need to take, some, take a verse, take a verse or two, and you need to memorize it and then meditate on that. I'm doing that with 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm doing that right now as we speak. I'm doing that during these last couple of weeks I've been doing that. Because in that verse, I've had some trouble with my health, and I've been thinking, Lord, what are you doing? And that verse just popped out at me. I never noticed before that verse just popped out at me. Have you ever had that happen to you when you're reading through the Word of God and a verse just pops out at you? That's God showing you something. And if that verse really catches your eye, then you know what you need to do? Now listen to me. You know, you know what you need to do is you need to memorize that verse and then meditate on that verse. So when that verse popped out at me, it was a long verse. And I'm not very good at memorization. But the best of my ability, it's for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. He that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And I started grabbing a hold of that verse and I started thinking about it. And I said, okay, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us. See, and I'm meditating on it like that. In the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. I need to have the same mindset that I'm going to suffer in this flesh. For he that suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin. See, there's all that stuff to meditate on. But you've got to have it memorized before you can meditate on it. But see, I'm showing you, if you will memorize this stuff and meditate on it, God said you will be prosperous. There's the promise. See, I still believe in the promises of God. And God gives you promises out of his book that if you'll meditate on it day and night, he'll help you to be prosperous. Prosperity is simply success. That's what prosperity is. It doesn't necessarily tie, it's not necessarily tied to money, it's tied to success. Let's go on to the next one. Look at Psalms 119, 119. Psalms 119, verse 23. There's, there's incredible power in meditation. And I'm showing you some of the advantages of meditating on the words of God. Because we're looking at three things to meditate on. If God wants us to meditate on things, then there's three things we should be meditating on. And the first one is meditating on the Word of God. And there's, there's things that are tied to meditating on the Word of God. Look at Psalm 119, verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statues. See what he just said? What he just said is, if you'll meditate on the Word of God, it'll help you when you're being afflicted, when you're being persecuted as a Christian. Look at 78. Look at verse 78. Just a page over or so. Look at verse 78. Same chapter, verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me. 
without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Is somebody persecuting you without a cause? Is somebody getting after you when you didn't do anything to them? You know what God says? God says, why don't you meditate on my words? Meditate on your words. And what will that do? That will help you in times of persecution. When you're meditating on the Word of God, that will help you in times of persecution. I don't know how many times I've read about POWs being stuck over, even in Vietnam or in World War II or where it was, but there'd be POW, prisoners of war, and they'll be st- they'd be, I've read about one specifically where they were stuck in a cage, and they had them in cages, and they could barely even move in these little cages, and they couldn't see anybody else, but they could hear each other, other prisoners of war. And what they would do during the night when they were left alone and nobody could hear them, they would start quoting Scripture to each other. They'd say, you know what John 1, 1 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And another guy in the other thing said, you know what I remember my Sunday school teacher teaching me? And he would quote another verse. But God is not mocked. And he'd quote another verse. And they would comfort each other during their persecution. During all this trial they were going through, they were, persecuting each, uh, they were comforting each other through these persecutions by meditating on the words of God. But you know what the key to this story is, and I'm telling you, the key to this story is you've got to have them memorized. Guys, if you get arrested and you get thrown in jail for something you didn't do, and you're sitting in prison, you're going to want the words of God. You're going to want this Bible. And if you don't have this thing memorized and you don't know this Word of God, how are you going to meditate on it? You can't meditate on it. You see the importance of getting to know the Word of God, trying to memorize as much Scripture as you can memorize? You know when Brother... uh, Paul Henry came through here and preached the Jubilee. Man, he convicted me. All the, he got up here, and how long did he go? Just going on and on with verses he had memorized. Verses he had memorized. Now, that's a great man of God. Why? Because when somebody comes and takes his Bible, they haven't took his Bible because it's still in here. It's in, his, it's in his heart. And if something's in your heart, you'll memorize it. <laughs> how many songs do we have memorized? Because they're in our heart. Well, you know, we're talking about Valentine's and talking about ladies you love and everything. When that, when that girl you love first gave you her phone number, you couldn't have forgot it if you wanted to because you loved it and you wanted to memorize it and you remembered her name and you could have never forgot it. It was right here in your heart. And that's what you need to do with the Word of God. You need to memorize it. So when you do come into persecutions, let the proud be ashamed for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. That meditation will help you in times of trouble. Look at verse 148. We're still in Psalms 119. Look at verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. What is he saying there? He's saying, you know what? I'm staying up at night because I'm just meditating on your word. Oh, have you ever done that? Laying in bed at night thinking about God and thinking about the words of God. Just thinking about well, how, how good God is and the words of God. Just meditating on what he meant by what he said and something you just read. You know, uh, when Brother Trevor was still alive, he came up here to church, and it was either you, Brother Wade. Somebody told me, he, he might have told me, he said, I stayed up all night long reading the book of Exodus. Who stays up all night long reading the book of Exodus? That brother did. He, in the middle of the night, he just got to reading it, and he couldn't put it down. Yeah. He, he was just meditating on it. He's reading it, and he's thinking about it, and he's meditating on it, and he said, mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. He, he got in love with the word of God. It was something special to him, and he started, it was, while he's reading it, he said, you know, I just couldn't put it down. When you meditate on the words of God, it draws you closer to God. It draws you closer to God and gives you a great love for his book. It keeps you up at night. 
I don't know how many times I'll be in my office and I'll be studying and my wife says, supper's ready and I don't want to get up and go eat because I'm right here studying the Word of God. I'm in it and I want it. I want to know more about it and I want to meditate on it. And I'm meditating on something. And she has to tell me two or three times, supper's ready, supper's ready. And if Keegan doesn't want to go eat, something's wrong. I'm, I'm sick. One, I'm either sick or I'm stuck in the Word of God. Amen. Or I can't get there to the kitchen because I love to eat. But there's times where I get so caught up in meditating on the Word of God, I don't want to eat. I just want to, I just want to dwell. This is my food right here. This right here is my food when I get so caught up into that. When I get so caught up into that. Look at Psalms 119, same Psalms 119, verse 99. Meditating, the power of meditation. When you meditate on the Word of God, it's going to do stuff for you. Look at verse 99. This is one of my favorite ones it does for you. <laughs> I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies or my meditation. You want to be smarter than a college professor? Meditate on the Word of God. Amen. That's just what it said. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? For thy testimonies are my meditation. You get, to, you get to meditating on the Word of God. It'll make you smarter than a college professor. But if you'll get into the Bible, the Bible will give you common sense. See, When you're reading the Word of God, it'll give you, it'll give you common sense. It'll give you wisdom. That's where that comes from. Don't worry about getting a college degree. Get a degree in meditating on the Word of God. That's what you need to do. Education, listen to me, education without salvation is damnation. That's what Dr. Rutman teaches, and he's exactly right. If you get an education and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're just double damning yourself. Because what education does, it'll try to draw you away from the wisdom of God and try to draw you to the wisdom of man. And I'm going to tell you something about the wisdom of man. It changes from year to year, sometimes from month to month. Is an egg bad for you or is an egg good for you? Is coffee good for you or is coffee bad for you? They always are changing their mind. And you might get educated in one thing, and then by the time you get out of there, they'll change your mind. You know, years ago, your blood pressure was, they looked at that bottom number. What was the bottom number? Now you go to the doctor, they say, oh, we don't care about the bottom number on blood pressure. We're looking at the top number. Does that make sense, Sister Shirley, what I'm saying? Now they're looking at the top number. I, I'm not arguing about who's right and wrong, but I'm pointing to you that they changed their mind. This doesn't change. The wisdom of this book doesn't change, see? It's the same way it's been for 4,000 years. It doesn't change. It'll give you wisdom and common sense. And don't we all need more common sense? Amen. Amen. We need more common sense. We could use all we can get. I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies or my meditation. Let's look at another one of these. Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. When you meditate on the words of God, it'll give you a love for God. Like nothing else will give you a love for God. When you meditate on the words of God. I'll tell you what this one brother said, and he's so right. And he wrote this back in 1600s. I just read it. This guy's name's Thomas Brooks, 1650. He wrote this. He said, it's not the Christian that reads the most, but it's the Christian that meditates the most that's the sweetest and dearest and strongest Christian. What does he mean by that? It doesn't matter how much you're reading on the Word of God. It's how much are you meditating on the Word of God. If you're in your daily Bible reading, if you're just reading through there and trying to get through your, your two chapters or 86 verses or whatever you're trying to get through every day, and you're just reading through there and you're not getting nothing out of it, you're wasting your time, you're wasting the Holy Spirit's time, you're wasting everybody's time. You need to slow down and say, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to meditate on this because God's got something in here for me. I'm going to meditate on it and see what the Lord's got for me. 
and he'll pop, pop stuff up for you. you. Maybe you need to slow down. Remember, it's not the one that reads the most, it's the one that meditates the most, that's thinking about it the most. How love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. When you meditate on the Word of God, it inflames your love for the words of God. It's like throwing gasoline, taking gasoline and throwing it on the fires of your love, and it just inflames it. It just inflames it when you're meditating on the Word of God. Now let's move on and look at meditating on God's works. Look at Psalms 143. Psalms 143. Let's look at the meditating on God's works. So we looked at meditating on God's words. You need to meditate on God's words. You need to meditate on God's works. Works, W-O-R-K-S. Look at verse 5. Psalms 143, verses 5 and 6. Look at verse 5. I remember the days of old. This is what David said. Verse 5, Psalm 143, 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. When you meditate on the works of God, what it does, it promotes prayer in your life when you meditate on the works of God. You just sit outside and you look at God's creation and you meditate on how God created things and how God works in, in little things and how God works in your life and you start meditating on all these different things. It promotes prayer in your What it does, it causes you to want to start praying to God and asking God for different things and asking God to work in your life. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. What it does is it helps you to be thankful. It helps you to be thankful when you, when you meditate on God's works. I know this sounds kind of crazy, but have you ever been thankful for the little things? Just thankful for little things that God's doing in your life and have done for you. And I know this sounds crazy, but the other day I thanked God for toilet paper. That I'm not living off in some country that doesn't have toilet paper. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? But that's something to be thankful for. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for ibuprofen. For when I have a headache, I can pop in a couple of pills. I'm thankful for God giving wisdom to medicine that I can go to the doctor when I'm sick. I'm thankful for God for all kinds of things. I'm thankful for God when the sun comes up, when the sun goes down. I'm thankful for God for all kinds of different things. But when you meditate on God's works, it really does humble you down. It really does. Let's look at the last ones. Turn to Psalm 63. I'm going to show you one more. So you need to meditate on God's words, you need to meditate on God's works, and you need to meditate on God himself. Psalm 63, let's turn to Psalm 63, verse, verse 5. And we're just talking about meditating on God, meditating on his words, meditating on his works. Now let's talk about meditating, let's close by talking about meditating on God himself. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed. And meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. We need to meditate on God himself. When you meditate on God himself, look at the end of verse 5. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. When you're laying in bed and you wake up in the middle of the night and you just start meditating on God, you start thinking about how God is and why God is the way he is and how wonderful God is, you know what it does? It brings joy to you. It brings joy to know that he saved you, that, that there's grace, that when you've messed up, that he's not going to cast you out, that his blood is covering your sins, that if you, wake, if you was to close your eyes and you were to die, that you're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus in heaven. Those are things to meditate on. Those things bring you joy in verse 7, because thou hast been my help, 
Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Man. There's nothing more wonderful than to think that you get into the shadow of the wings of God as an eagle. You know, when you get under the wings of God and he, he's gathered you up and he, he puts his wings like that, and you, there's nothing going to bother there's nothing going to harm me. It really humbles you down to meditate on God's words, God's works, and God himself. And we need, to be a, we need to be Christians that are meditating on God, thinking about God. We don't do enough thinking about God. And I know sometimes I, I, I call for Brother Wade to come up here to, to play the piano. I said, let's pray. I know some of y'all don't pray, and I know some of y'all just kind of sit there thinking different things, but that's, to me, that's meditating. And that, to me, that's just as good as praying sometimes, just meditating on what's going on in your life, what you could do to clean up your life, things you could do to get right in your life. That, that's a good time to do it. And that's, that's why we get, the, we get the piano going and we pray like that. And I think that's real, real important. I think it's important to pray. I think it's important to meditate on God like that. And uh, the world needs to do a lot more meditating, a lot more thinking. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.